Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. God, would you bless us to be not just hearers of your word, but doers. Give us the ability to comprehend and the ability to execute your will in our life. We trust you so much. We love you so much. We thank you so much. Lord, I ask God that you would let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in our sight. I declare you my strength. I declare you my redeemer. And every glad and happy heart say amen. And if you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, won't you give him praise and glory? If he gave you a good Christmas, give him glory. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm going to conclude our series called Unto Us, and I just want to read our opening text. It's from Isaiah 9, uh, verse 6 and 7. It says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. May God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. I'm so grateful to God uh, for giving us this series because each week we've been unwrapping a gift, uh, the gift of who he is as son, the gift of who he is as, 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 um, as wonderful counselor, mighty God. Today we'll be dealing with um, the Prince of Peace. You know, I don't know how you felt about this Christmas, if you got everything you wanted or not, but, but, but I know how it is to unwrap a gift. And when you unwrap a gift that you really, really wanted or, or you were so shocked that you didn't know you wanted, your emotions come, come out. You know, kids start saying, whoo, they, they, you know, people cry, people have all types of emotion. I'm wearing one of my um, Christmas gifts, and when I opened it, because you know dads, you know, we're not expecting a whole lot. At Christmas, we're the givers, you know, of the gift. I just figured out, by the way, at Pastor Dave Ward's house that that song, I Saw Mama Kissing Santa Claus, was the daddy. Anyway, I'm going to just, you know, that messed some people up. Anyway, <laughs> so anyway, so I, I, I opened this up and I just started, I just started coughing and, and crying because this was... Um, my, my father passed, this was one of his coin collection, and he wore uh, this same combination around his neck. And so it was just so emotional um, for me. It was overwhelming. You know, I don't know that we fully unwrap our gifts. And when we do, there's a certain joy in the celebration um, that we have. And to explore Prince of Peace, um, I believe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a text today to help us not look at who he is overall as a Prince of Peace, but maybe in a micro to see what he can be in a micro situation in our life. That means he can also be that in a macro situation. Now, who in here likes taking tests? Okay, yeah, tests can bring you anxiety. 
You know, when I hear that there's a, you know, time to take tests, it can bring anxiety. I get all worried. I get all clammy. You know, I start sweating. And I actually can freeze on a test. I don't know, have you ever have the freeze spirit come on you? Where you like, you just like, I don't know. And you just freeze up, you know. But, you know, I don't like tests also because they evaluate you. Somebody else is looking at my life to tell me whether I'm worthy or not, whether I'm good enough or not. I'm good enough. The test's not going to determine that for me. But, but if we don't take tests as a negative and we take them um, as more opportunities to display what we've learned, it takes on a positive connotation. You know, because but tests actually help you evaluate where you are. And if you're comprehending and learning or if you're regressing or progressing, if you're in or out, if you're, you're passing or failing, it can be really a helpful tool. To, to, it's an indicator showing you where you are and where is the potential for you to go or where you need to stay. Tests um, doesn't have to be used as a negative item. All of us who watch television, at some point during your program, late at night or, or whenever, you hear that and this is a test. This is only a test of the emergency broadcast system. And usually when we hear that, we learn how to ignore it, how to move past it, how to, because we've seen it so many times, we no longer do the things that they want you to do during that test, which is take it. Like, Use that time to talk to your family about what you would do in an emergency. If it's a tornado, we'll go downstairs. If it's a, you know, we'll do all of these types of things. How you respond in the test is a great indicator of how you respond in everyday reality. As we look at Mark 4, we're going to see the disciples' opportunity to respond, but perhaps you might receive our, response, our opportunity to respond properly in the test. Mark 4, let's start at the 35th verse. On that day, when evening had come, this, uh, on, on this day is when the day that Jesus had completed all his teaching. Jesus had been teaching for quite a bit of time. He'd been teaching the multitudes. He'd been teaching a mixed multitude of people. He'd been teaching his disciples every day privately, and he'd been teaching publicly. He'd been teaching about the soils of the heart. He'd been teaching about the seed. He'd been teaching about the, what you do, uh, uh, the, the mustard seed. He's just been doing a lot of teaching. And evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were there with him. Here it is. They did not know a test was happening, but yes, exactly what's happening is a test is going on. Jesus had been teaching. He packs up everything. He dismisses the crowd. He gets in the boat, and he says, hey, you guys need to come with me to the other side. You see, the first thing we need to do, the first opportunity, because I take test taking as an opportunity more than anything else, the first opportunity is to take a step into the boat in the right direction. See, there's a lot of things to have the word or to have an instruction and to do nothing with it. A lot of times we can hear Jesus speaking to us and we have no reaction. And yet Jesus speaking to us 
and we have an almost reaction. Jesus spoke to them and they took the first step of actually getting into the boat. Can you remember the last thing that Jesus said to you and if you act on, acted on it or not? Can you remember the last time that Jesus spoke something and you said, okay, I'm going to do it? Can you remember the last thing he said? I can remember exactly where I was when Jesus spoke to me about moving to Nashville, Tennessee. I was in 6 a.m. prayer at my house on my, on, my, on my ottoman, praying on my knees, and as soon as I hit my knees, God said, prepare to move to Nashville, Tennessee. He said it a second time. On the third time, I sat up on the edge of my couch because this was a word I did not want to hear. He said, prepare to move to Nashville, Tennessee. I thought that was the most awful word I could ever get. I'm a Detroiter, I love Detroit, I love Coney Island, I love our, our time, I love everything, even the potholes, I love it. I love being a Piston, I love being a Red Wing, I love being a Lion, even though they never win a game, it's okay, they're not losers to me, they're just waiting on the right moment to express all of their talent. I'm a Detroiter, I mean, I love that. And yet he tells you stuff like, prepare to move, and I'm telling you, in that moment when God gives you a word, Inside of me, in that moment, him telling me to do something I didn't want to do, I'm going to tell you the truth. I contemplated sinning against God. I remember sitting there saying, I, I'm not unclear, but I think it's unfair. And so what I'm going to do, and I'm not doing that. And I, and I felt when I was saying no to the Lord, I felt like, this is a true story, I felt like a chest pain. I said, oh, Jesus. Oh, well, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying let's just think about this for a minute. Let's, not, let's relax. And I'm so afraid that I'm going to disobey God. Have you ever been there where you got the word, but you're, you, you know the chances of you disobeying God are high? I'm so afraid that I'm going to disobey God. I get up, I wake my wife up, and I say, listen to this, honey. I said just like that because you can't be mad at God, so you know you pick another human to be mad at. Listen to this. She said, yeah, what's, what's wrong? I said, God just told me to prepare to move to Nashville, and I don't want to talk about it, but I just want some accountability so I don't lose my life. <laughs> when you get the word, let us go to the other side. Will you accept it or will you reject it? Will you contemplate it or will you act on it? You are, when you're taking advantage of the opportunity, you, you're obeying. See, here's what you're doing. You're obeying. You're, you, you are, when you're taking advantage of the opportunity, you're taking a step in the right direction. You might be saying, well, Pastor James, I don't remember the last rhema word I've received. I don't, I don't know what God is saying to me. And that may be good news to you because it doesn't mean you have to be accountable to anything. The only thing you remember is what you said to yourself. Have you ever just sat down and written out your own goal sheet? These are all the things you want to do. But what has God said to you? What has he spoken to you? So just in case you hadn't gotten a word in a long time, I prayed for you and I got a word for all of us. Here it is. I'm going to read it out loud to you. Hear the word of the Lord. Bethel, you are headed to the other side where there is a battle to be fought, but also victories to be won. I've made you a people fit 
for the fight. Now I'm making you more aware of the battle and the real enemy behind your pain. My word has gone out over you and it will not return void. It will not return empty. It will not be stopped by man or by elements or by demonic activity. Hear the word of the Lord commanding you to prosper, commanding you to live, commanding you to give, give way to my will in your life. Wake up, get up. It's time to go to the other side. Much kingdom work will be given to you. You will prosper as you go. I'll say that again. You will prosper as you go. Therefore, go. Don't look back and don't hold tight. Go, says the Lord. Places I'll show you and people I'll give you. Now, for some, when we hear the word, that has anxiety connected to it. Because no matter how good it is coming out of the mouth of the Lord or how fun it might sound to start a new adventure, going means you're leaving something. Going to the other side meant that they had to leave the success on this side. Leave the opportunities that were on this side. Leave the comfort that was on this side. And they had to decide to take the test or take advantage of the opportunity to take a step into the boat. When you hear the word, do you take a step? Peter was unsure he saw Jesus walking on the water in the middle, middle of the night and he, he saw him in a boat and everything was going wrong. And he said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And Peter, he said, come. And Peter stepped out on the word, come. And he ended up walking on the water. You see, when you take advantage of the opportunity, it's a step in the right direction. Get in the boat. In your boat. In your boat is Jesus waiting on you. The Bible has said, if you read it in the original context, not that they took Jesus into the boat, but Jesus wrapped up all of the business on the shore. He got in the boat and they were going with him. What if I told you the word for you is not about you going alone, but you going with him to the other side. Let us go to the other side. Isn't this a lesson in life that if you find out that you got anything you're doing that doesn't involve him, maybe you're in the wrong boat. What ideas are you? I got some ideas. I'm going to start a business. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with starting a business. But the better question is, is he in your boat? Is he in your boat? And do you know where you're going? I love that the disciples are willing to take the first step to prove that they were comprehending the lesson. That when you hear a word, you've got to act on that word. And they got in and they went to the other side. And here's what verse 37 says. Verse 37 says this. And a great windstorm arose. That's already frustrating. I'm, I'm only obeying Jesus. I'm in the same boat with Jesus. I'm riding in the direction he told me to go in. I didn't marry the spouse that you, you presented to me, took the job that you gave to me, took the classes in school that you wanted me to have, 
moved in the neighborhood you wanted me to have. And how in the world is it that as soon as I get there, immediately there's a great windstorm arising here, going on here? I must have missed God because there's no way that God would allow opposition to come to me after I don't obey him, stepped out on his word, and I'm there. Remember, Peter came on the water, but it didn't stop the waves. We get confused. How, how could God be giving me a word to go in a direction and then I experience opposition, resistance? You know, the reality is James Lowe, I'm not going to talk about you. James Lowe would desire an opposition-free life. And I can get it. You want, me, you want me to show you how to get it? You can get an opposition-free life. Don't obey his word. Devil won't bother you. He's not after you. He has to, oh, we don't believe. You know, I don't believe. Okay, okay, okay. Go, I didn't give you the scripture, but just for fun, because y'all the last service and it gets more interesting sometimes. Um, Matthew 13, verse 18 Remember, he was teaching them, and this is the test, and this is what he taught them. He taught them the parable of, of the soils. He said, he said some, some, some soil fell on by the wayside, some by rocky, some by thorny, some on good ground. And, and here's, here's what we said brought opposition. He said, here then is the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that which was sown in the heart. When you receive the word, the Bible says immediately Satan comes to steal the word that was sown in your heart. Immediately opposition comes to get it. When does Satan have an opportunity to get it? When you don't understand it. When, when is the proof you don't understand it? When you don't apply it. Then he's coming to get it. So if you don't want opposition, just ignore the word of the Lord I gave you. Just ignore the word of the Lord that he's speaking to you. Just ignore leaning in in January to get a fresh rhema word from God. Hear, hear the word for everybody else, but don't hear it for yourself. You, you get less opposition to no opposition. He comes for the word. A windstorm. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Can you imagine the frustration of this? These fishermen fish this all the time. 13 miles long, eight, eight miles across. They fish here all the time. They know the weather conditions or, or, or whatever. But now this hurricane type wind is coming and it's messing them up. I want you to know after you take advantage of the opportunity by taking the, the next step that opposition comes once you obey. And the opposition is trying to sink you. It ain't playing games. It's not like a little opposition like I'm coming to oppose you. I'm a little cartoon. <laughs> you know, no, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to kill you. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The water is coming on your boat. The water is overwhelming your marriage, overwhelming your job, overwhelming your friendships, your relationship. Your boat is sinking. It's hard for humans sometimes to face the reality when it's all going wrong. 
But the reality is it could have been going better in their mind if they'd stayed and not obeyed the word of the Lord. Your boat is sinking. Now, when your boat is sinking, you can't act like it's not sinking. Like when people get a cold or the flu or they get sick and you come up to them and say, and so you, you, got, you got COVID, you got a you cold? No, I don't have a cold, but you're coughing. You know, well, I'm not sick, don't put no sickness on me. Well, hold on, you, you're displaying sickness. You got tissue, you, you, you're drinking Robitussin, you know, you, 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 you need stuff. Why aren't you speaking that over me? No, no, see, that, that, that's just too much. You are sick. And the Bible says what Abraham did was face the fact that his body was dead, yet he believed God. So the better thing to say is acknowledge that you're in a crisis. Acknowledge that you have sickness so you can invite the healer in. And you can confess his solution to your sick condition. Don't say, I ain't sick. Yes, you're sick. You are not like embracing negativity. You're embracing reality. God bless. That's just, that's just a little add-on to the message for you. <laughs> not speaking negativity over your life, but just like they had to face the fact the water was literally coming onto the boat, and the boat was sinking. Opposition is coming. And it's like you, you think it's just the wind, but it's also the waves. You think it's the waves, that the waves is sinking the boat, and it's one thing after another. But he, meaning Jesus, let's, let's go up to verse 38. But he was in the stern of the ship, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Jesus was in the stern sleep. That means his pillow was wet. That's some deep sleep. You, you know, if my pillow was wet, I'm getting up. Jesus was tired, and he, he said, look, you know, and I want you to know, the storm did not wake him up. The waves did not wake him up. The opposition did not wake him up. He seemed to be passing the test, the same test that they're in. He said, let us go to the other side. And the reality is, was he going to hold on to the word that was in him, the instruction that was given to him, the instruction that he gave to other people, and was he going to lose his peace or was he going to hold on to it? Yeah. Jesus was asleep. You know what he's doing? He's teaching us how, in this open book test, how to pass. You would, you would imagine that the disciples would see him sleeping and say, well, if he sleep, we could sleep. If he's at peace, as the prince, we should be at peace. But no, they let the spirit of accusation get in them. A teacher. It's almost, and, and it's kind of like they called him teacher. They, they got out of Messiah, Lord, they ain't none of them were teacher. You done taught us about all this stuff. Teacher, you don't care that we all perishing? This word care means it's a, you, don't, you don't have any anxiety. You don't have any worries. You're not going, I'm going down. You ever been around somebody who's, 
who's worried about a lot of things and they're upset with you because you didn't get worried like them? Why are you mad at Jesus? Because he is not phased by the storm. That's frustrating to me when I come up to people and I'm having a crisis and they don't at least show me some emotion, you know, to signify that I'm in a crisis. You don't see that, especially when it comes to your spouse. Oh, some spouses need to go ahead and, you know, we need to be worried. My wife, why? Why? What? Jesus is asleep. Teacher, you don't care that we're dying. You don't care that your plan is failing. You don't care that your word is not working. You don't, you don't care that the, oppo- uh, uh, the, the opposition is overwhelming us. I can imagine Jesus was going back to his lesson. Remember, he told him the soils. He said the seed that fell by the wayside, is the, the enemy comes as opposition. Then he said that some that fell upon stony ground, and he says persecution and tribulation because of the word comes, and, and there's no root, and the word is dissolved. How about that? That's a failure to the test. And that's just the, the character, uh, or he says, sometimes it falls upon thorny soil, the, war, the word, and he says, he says, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things chokes the word out. In other words, we are not holding on to the word that keeps us stable, the word that keeps us at homeostasis, the word that keeps you on mission, the word that keeps you focused. I can imagine that we all get into that place where you started out doing the right thing for God, but then you feel like you're just going to die. Worry sets in, anxiety sets in, depression sets in, woefulness and of, of living sets in. And here are people who were happy one moment and in the next moment of obeying God, their world is turned upside down. And this is the thing that really disturbs us as believers, how we could have been raising our hands and praising and have the greatest day ever. And the very next day in obedience to God, our life can be flipped upside down. But it's a test. It's only a test. And that test is an opportunity for you to take a step in the right direction. Yes, you'll have opposition once you obey, but there's something more. Verse 39. Verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind. He awoke. First of all, I love that Jesus woke up. Remember, he didn't wake up because of the storm. He woke up because of them. He woke up because they needed him. He woke up because they called him. The Bible said, whosoever called on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He woke up because he was not on the other side already. He wasn't back at the shore. He was in the boat with them. He woke up because he was a very present help in the time of their trouble. He was near to them. He woke up because they draw near to him. He'll he'll draw near to you. He woke up because he said, my sheep hear my voice. I'm inclined to them. They know that. 
he, he, he woke up because he knew that there could be a moment where they needed to open up the book of him, the light and the life, the point of direction. Here's the point I feel like we might mess up. Those fishermen knew exactly what to do. Those fishermen knew exactly what to do in a storm. They knew how to hoist up the sails. They knew how to bail water. They knew what to do in the flesh. But this was not something that he was asking them to do in the flesh. They were going to solve this in the spirit by leaning into the spirit of truth. Whatever you're going through, I'm not saying that it's not real. But I'm saying no matter what, how you solved your problems in the past, how you solved them on your own with your money, with your own individual talent, it won't help you get through this. You're going to have to wake him up. You're going to have to tap him. When that opposition overwhelms you to that degree, you're going to have to call on him. Aren't you frustrated sometimes when it takes you so long to call on the Lord when he was there all the time for you to call on him? to bring you peace and to bring you good things. And as soon as the Lord is, in, in, is involved, he, he rebukes your opposition. He says, I want you to cease. I want you to stop. I'm taking your authority. See, he, see when we, we, our, his omnipotence, when we, when we wake him up, we, we experience uh, the next step. We needed his omnipotence. We needed his power. He rebukes whatever's trying to prevent you from getting where God wants you to be. He has something to say about it that's back up. Get out of the way. You've overstepped your bounds. I do care about them. Yes, I let you overwhelm their boat, but I was trying to get them to rebuke you. But if they can't rebuke you, I am in the boat. I will rebuke you. Back on up. They are my sons. They are my daughters. They have a calling. They have a purpose. They have a plan. And this is why we feel the ebb and flow. Because God keeps giving us the opportunity to do, uh, do, to do what he's doing. But if we fail, he says, I'll step in and do it. That's why one moment you can feel victorious, the next moment you can feel like you're failing. But if you got Jesus in your boat, you've got the power you need to rebuke the waves. To, to set things in order, to send the back, enemy back. And then, and then it's like he says, peace be still. Peace in me be. I want you to be safe. I want you to be sound. I want everything to abate and cease and go back to come. He took a hostile environment and in a moment turned it around. The enemy will tell you when you're in your lowest moment, your moments of depression, your moments where you don't think your relationships are going to work, he can speak in your life. You say, you don't want to go to the counselor anymore. Oh, uh, counselors can't help our, our, our marriage. They got a word that can set you free. It's his word. He can rebuke what's ever trying to kill you, steal from you, rob you, and he can give you calm. You ever want that moment, that gift of, can I just have peace? Invite him in, Prince of Peace, and you can have it. The scripture says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that you're in, which is to try you. Don't think it's strange. You are going to the other side. This is the word to you. 
You are going, some of you are going to Antioch, some of you are going to Spring Hill, some of you are going to Hendersonville, some of you are going to other nations, but you are going to the other side. Some of you are going to get started in your business. Some of you are going to get started in school. Some of you are going to get started in a relationship. You are going to the other side. You're not going to the other side to fail. You're going to the other side to prosper. You're going to the other side to be a breakthrough for somebody else and get your own breakthrough. You are going to the other side. All you need to do is take a step in the right direction and rebuke opposition. But if you fail to, don't forget that Jesus is in your boat with all power in his hand to speak to your storms, to speak to the wind, to speak to the waves, and tell them to back up. I'm telling you that you have all that you need because you have the more than the conqueror living on the inside of you. What's the final gift I want you to unwrap? Be at peace. Jesus is on the scene. Be at peace. Even when your mind feels discombobulated. I want you to know there's nothing wrong with taking medicine, nothing wrong with going to counselors, but there's times when, when our peace is disturbed, we just need the Prince of Peace to step into our life and rebuke stuff. Give him a chance to stand to your feet. Dave, come and join me on this stage. Maybe you haven't unwrapped that gift. Ministry team, you can come down. I have failed to unwrap all that God has for me. I have failed the test so many times. I've even stopped being aware, Pastor Dave, that Jesus is like in my boat. I'm, a, I'm unaware. I forget. But what if you didn't forget that? It's the ultimate cheat sheet. You're not going to fail. It's like, yeah, you could have rebuked it, but you didn't. He can He loves you and cares about you. He awakens when you need him. Conclude and pray for us.